Gab and Girl Time contains explicit sexually mature themes and is intended for a mature audience. The opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views of any platforms, sponsors, or social media. have a squeaky pulley. I should add us. Welcome to Gabbing Gay Time. Gabbing Gay Time. We're just going to go ahead and get into it because I love this person with all of my fucking heart. I'm so glad that we became friends. Uh, if you live in the Knoxville area, you will know who this person is. And please welcome Big Gay James. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, you're one of my favorite gays. You guys are popping my podcast cherry. I've never been on a podcast before. <gasps> never, oh. ever? Never. Oh. I've done a lot of radio. I've done a lot of radio, but mm-hmm. I've never done... I haven't even done a lot of radio. I've done like three <laughs> radio shows, but I've never done any podcasts before. I think a couple of those I've went with you. Yeah, we've done radio together. <laughs> so I believe we're pretty stereotypical, just uh, shady-ass equipment in a basement. Just seems cool. Oh, I was going to tell everyone we were like in a room in the like Hyatt downtown and eating charcuterie off of the floor. Listen, we have to make them think we come from humble beginnings. You're right. We have to have a glow up. You're right. You can't start. You know, started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah. (laughs) Started from the bottom. Still at the bottom. It is actually a pretty good studio, <laughs> even though. Hey, I think it it's perfect. Anything studio. that I don't have to pay for. Coming to you from the dungeon studio. Yeah, I'm with the I'm with the like anything you don't have to pay for. I I I am a TikToker because it doesn't cost anything. <laughs> nice. Are you TikTok famous? No, I'm not. I Do mean, have I have like a couple thousand followers. You had something I had that went viral, though. I it did have something. I had a couple things go viral. But um, then people got bored with me because I stopped showing yeah. my half-naked body. And you they... have to do it all the time. Yeah, in you order, do. You have to do it constantly. Yeah, and Here's, I'm just not that person. And sadly, uh, sometimes when you're just experimenting with characters and you have one go viral and then you continue to be this character... A lot of times you're building your own coffin. Yeah. You know, you're literally like shaping the box you're going to die in. Yeah. I like to watch people who have a lot of variety and do different characters. I, there's this one guy that I watch. I took a screenshot of one of his videos so that I could say his name on here, but um, my phone's all the way over there. Um, but he, it? um, it's right there. Oh. <laughs> Is it waiting for Guffman? It's a, no, it's so it's this guy who does 
Um, actually, I'll tell you guys his name and you guys can put it on your social media so okay. people can check out your social media. Um, but he does a lot of his content is is uh, comes from a place of like working in the food service industry, which I, I identify with. And so a lot of it is like him having like fake arguments with a fake customer where he's playing himself as the worker and also the customer. I and then they'll like this. end with him just like punching the customer in the face, which is like so <laughs> satisfying for somebody who works in the food service <laughs> industry. But he's he's very hilarious. Uh, I I like to observe TikTok way more than I like to make TikToks. I love to watch yeah. Lizzo. I don't follow any celebrities on TikTok except for Lizzo, but watching Lizzo live her best life live her best life and seeing how much she loves tiktok is so heartwarming to me <laughs> it's so great i love the conspiracy <laughs> ones yeah i get yeah. lost in yeah tiktok time warp there's so many different there's like i follow like probably a dozen different dozen different lamp makers on tiktok and i just watch people making these extravagant lamps like there is a tiktok for everything for everything that you could possibly be interested in now this is our million dollar idea and we're gonna have to start it before this airs yeah. so we've got one week to launch okay i love a deadline give it to me uh, we need to start a YouTube channel where we sit together and watch TikTok. <laughs> That's a thing. That's oh, a he says thing. it's already a thing. No, but but like it's. But we're older. But, we're women yeah. of a certain age, and then yeah. to see what ones we like to watch. You can put your spit on it, feed. but that isn't like watching a different media on a media <laughs> is is totally a trend. Like that's see cool. Yeah. always, always, always got it. But yeah, we should do that. That was oh, my foot. That was I dropped oh. my phone. I'm being unprofessional. That's cool. Take it away from me. Do you, you not want it? it? I just I'm oh. not. I don't well, want well, to address the. On. I don't want to address the Facebook feud. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. There is a. I read. I skimmed that earlier today, and I. I'm past Facebook right now. Really, the only thing I do is I want to be on Facebook to make people jealous. So that's why I only put, post like. <laughs> you know good things like cakes and oh look how happy my husband and i are because we are happy yeah but i like to make other people jealous on there yeah so i kind of <laughs> skim that i don't like the other opinions because there was another facebook feud over should kink be included in pride yeah, yeah. that's i think that rep kink representation should be included in pride yes i don't know if like like kink actions necessarily need to be well no most most you know, kinksters like, you well, know don't go out and wear the dog collars and it, you know it, yeah i know what you're thinking you know when you say that somebody coming out there in fetish wear uh, most kinksters do not do that sort of thing because everybody else around you has not consented to that yeah that's exactly right. what Exactly Consent what it is. It's an as issue. As and also, it's been problematic because they're, because like all communities, not everybody is going to think the same or feel the same. Not everything's going to be appropriate or whatever. And there have been like a lot of consent violations. And even, you know, some people have said they've been violated and stuff like that. So, uh, at Pride by Kingsters, 
Yes, but other gay people at Pride, not just, you know, not like yeah. you're grabbing somebody from the audience or whatever, but yeah. because well, of consent, non-consent. It's almost like they, it's not a big percentage, but it's enough that it's a concern. Well, I know that, um, and uh, we've had her on the show, Vicki, her school of hard knocks, she's been in the last two Prides. Yeah. There are, so you can go to prides in bigger cities and watch people suck dick in the crowd and nobody cares about it. But that's not the kind of pride that I want to participate in because it's it's not I don't really know how to like put it into words, but like it's not just like consent to sexual acts. Like seeing a sexual act should be something that you also can give consent or not give consent for, Correct. you know, yes. like Yes. And it's and it's I I love gay sex, you know, but I don't want to see it in the streets in the middle of the day with, no, you I, know, like... I think there I think should be definitely a representation of the old guard and leather daddies absolutely. because it's a history. However, I do understand what James is saying is what has been in the works over all this time, even since Stonewall, is to normalize being gay being in you know an alternative yes. lifestyle being a family unit that's different than the status quo than the you know male female kids whatever that families all look different and so you have a lot of children that are um coming to celebrate pride and what it is like to uh be able to live free and freely and it's different than in the beginning in the beginning the shock value really worked because yes, i think that we've was, moved past that we've moved past the shock yes that that was cool but now pride everywhere it's becoming like your fourth of july celebration or a you know, holiday celebration, or it's becoming yeah. a national. I'm not time just of gay in celebration. June. I'm, I'm gay yeah. all year round. Correct. <laughs> and so, um, but like parades and things like that really are for everybody, and the consent issue is the biggest thing. Now, you can tastefully have representation that. And I think that's what the kink community should do is have something tasteful. You know, everybody get the same t shirt and you you wear it the way that you would like to wear it as long as it doesn't offend you know children out there right you can dress in i mean and your dress and it's a parade aren't you supposed to you know walk the parade yes, and, then, and be a and, little more flamboyant you're gonna have floats and uh you know cars and beauty queens and drag queens and daddies and king like all should be represented but you can definitely represent that you're a leather daddy with you know you don't necessarily have to wear assless chaps and nipple clamps you know you can wear your cute hat you can still wear a vest how do you feel about a shirt I mean, on. you can men wear, can go without their shirts how do you feel about a harness i think they should be able to wear a harness i don't I think do that's the I issue i think the issue is them being like strapped up you know, some people are very uncomfortable with people led around on a leash. You know, yeah, I don't. Yeah, uh, I don't think that if like you're going that. to be around children, you should be in a get mask on your hands and knees on a leash because 
now that person has to explain to their six-year-old what kink is, and that's that's not something you... It's inappropriate it's for not, that I, don't, I mean, like, I appreciate kink, but I don't think that it's something you should instill in small children <laughs> at a young age, you know? Like... Maybe the maybe the acceptance behind behind yes. it, but not and, not the actual acts, you know, like yeah, that but but in the same way, it's like I don't think that gay men should expose too much of themselves at Pride because like you need to we need to educate our children from the very beginning that acceptance is is required. That sounds kind of harsh, but <laughs> you know, like but but we don't need to explain to our six-year-old what sex is we just need to explain to our six-year-old that we need to accept everybody for what they choose yes to be, you don't to be you or do, do. oh okay uh, there are a lot of people who would love to see even quote a straight parade with naked people in there and there's a lot of people who would not want to yeah. see a straight parade yeah. with naked people in there uh you know it's almost if that's what you want to see like we have Mardi Gras, you yeah. know, we have places that you can go. I'm a burner. You can see everything that you want any time at a certain, any different burns, as long as it goes with the rules of the state and stuff like that. In Tennessee alone, part of the issue for our state is we have extremely strict blue laws and um, nudity laws no matter where in the state you are, about being naked in front of children. I mean, this is even on oh, private it, I mean, it, property, we've talked about blue laws before. It goes like a lot further than that. Yes, but I mean, it's... And it's oppressive to women. <laughs> it is, and in some, in some cases, they were put in to legit protect the children, you know, but then there are other cases where, you know... You're not taking your children to a burlesque show. Correct. You're not taking your children to the strip club. Correct. So should you put a strip club or a burlesque show on a float? Is that what you're talking about? The the blue laws within pride? I'm talking about like laws to throw an event. There are nudity laws in general for that event. Like you can't be naked you have to wear pasties even if right, i were you have at to a, wear a half bra and pasties if and i were at a private burn like a well it's semi-private but it's ticketed in tennessee i could not walk around topless or bottomless or all naked or anything like that at this burn i would in tennessee if it's done inside tennessee state area you have to wear if it's Some somebody's private covering. land, though? Yeah. Hmm. Okay, for so you're the pay- event. Yes, you said ticketed, so you're paying for it. If the event was free uh, and you're not monetizing off somebody, of it. If somebody tells on you, I believe that the law states that that's a thing. I'm not sure. We'll have to look it up. But I do know that for events with that families or whatever are going to be there, you are not supposed to have your nips uncovered you have to wear a lot pasty or something well i'm too and you cannot be naked self-conscious to even go out there like that yeah i can go to georgia (laughs) and i can be fully naked i think when it comes to pride and and things like how how far people go with sex like actual like sexualness you know not just like sexuality but actual sex we have to 
remember that we can't like beg for inclusion and then when we get that inclusion limited to just a certain amount of people we can't say oh we have this inclusion but only if you're 18 or older you can come be represented and be yourself and feel great and have a nice day but only if you're 18 or older so we have to make it we have to make it PG-13 so that everyone can come because guess what there are gay people of all ages you know like they're like there are people that need that safe space and that representation of all ages. So, yes, and also give people some things to discover on their own. Right. I mean, already, that's what I was saying about what Kingsters would do. If you if you kept it very, very vanilla looking, then there's an allure to it. Oh, what are these people about? You know, oh, let's go visit their website. Them. Then you get, grab them up. <laughs> right? Yeah, when they're sweet and innocent. Yes. And then you corrupt get, catch them. them off guard. <laughs> you have personal choice. There are, but, I think there are things that yeah. you're just, um, you know, naturally drawn to. But I do think that, yeah, you know. But the whole gatekeeping thing about it, which that was what the Facebook post was about, was, eh, you know, people just got to have something to argue about on Facebook. What was your argument? Or I'm not saying argument. What was your discussion? It's, so I, I decided uh, this year to try to continuously remind myself throughout Pride that it's about education as much as it is about celebration. And so today I just made a Facebook post, not because anything happened to me or anyone I know, just a, fa- a fake bus- Facebook post saying that using sir and ma'am with strangers is antiquated and it's not necessary anymore and it people disagreed with me which is fine <laughs> people can have like a different opinion of, of of that sort of thing but why do you feel that way um because i feel like sir and ma'am are just ways that society has told us we only say it because for hundreds of years society has said that's how you are polite to people who are older than you there are plenty of other ways to be polite and respectful to people who are older than you other than calling them this one name that we're supposed to call them because they're older than us now that is very true if you grew up in the south and i remember my grandparents you know they go well this is so and so you know here meet so and so and you go nice to meet you nice to meet you what yeah or you get in trouble with your mama and she'd be like don't you talk to me like that? And yes. Yes, what? Yes, ma'am. Especially in the South. But, but I think that's okay because you're in that situation. Your mother identifies as a woman and identifies as a ma'am. And you know that. So it's okay to call but them what ma'am or sir. I guess my like, point is, is that as I'm older, um, it's just in my brain. You know, um, if somebody, if a gentleman comes up to me and holds the door for me i'll go thank you sir it doesn't really matter what his age is yeah but i just uh, i know what you're saying too yeah. it's just going to be hard for somebody as old as i am to restart their brain into saying i don't into asking you know what? i don't think so i think that uh if you can clearly see that it's a ma'am or sir if that's clearly how they're presenting regardless if you can clearly see something else, but if they're clearly presenting as ma'am or sir, I think for 
a person who might be transitioning, they might feel very happy to be called by their preferred pronoun and identity. Right. Yet, I think we have already trained ourselves to say something different for somebody that we already identify as non-binary. Right. I just think we need to be more mindful of that if you choose to use those terms as a sign of respect. I think for younger generation, say, you know, the 25 and younger, probably it seems condescending to say sir or Mm ma'am to them. Yeah. You know? Right. uh, Depending on lot on your tone and who you are probably not from their peers for that you know yeah but i do understand what you are saying as far as just making it an automatic greeting and that that's okay yeah you know well and also a lot of the pushback that i got was people who were all of the mindset that i was just saying that what if you called somebody ma'am who identified as a sir or somebody sir who identified it as a ma'am but there is other thing there are things other than ma'am and sir male and female yeah you know? i did read like, some of those they were funny and so uh, you know like just think about what if you encounter a person in their 70s who has realized now because things like the internet exist that the way that they've felt their whole life is non-binary that they now know that they're non-binary and you ask them what their pronouns are think of how good that's going to make that older person feel you know like you have to I don't know you have to look at it from all the situations and I understand why why people you know I I would still always call my if my grandfather was alive I would call him sir because I know that that's how my Thought my grandfather identified he identified he identified as a sir that was his those were his pronouns yeah. <laughs> sir <laughs> but you know like sometimes sir takes a whole new that's yeah. also true that's also num, num, true num, num, num. yes yeah <laughs> it's uh, I, people were thinking that i was saying that it was disrespectful to call your elders your elders sir and ma'am oh. or or like insensitive but that's not what i was saying i was just saying like maybe just take a second and find out you know yeah definitely like i don't know Yeah, like if you're going to tap somebody on the shoulder, you don't start off, sir, ma'am. Maybe be like, excuse me. Yeah, excuse me. May I help you with that? Or (laughs) like somebody said something like it's very habit for them to say yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, or no, you know, and and like it's really just about it's not even about like adjusting the way you view people. It could just be about adjusting the way you use our vocabulary, you know, like. Instead of saying, no, sir, you could say, no, thank you. Yeah. Or, you know, if, if you feel the need to, if you think just saying yes feels too cold and too, like, short, then you could say, why yes? Or, oh, yes. Or, you know, like, it, yeah. it's all about the intent and, and the words, not necessarily about, like... Yes. There is something fun, though, about, um, especially when a woman's being a really big bitch or something you know and it's just that yes ma'am you know that yeah. i 
tone has a lot to do with it. Yeah, I as don't well. think that the terms but, need to go away. I think that using the terms with people that we are unfamiliar with needs to go away. Yeah, just yeah. automatically. Yeah, I assuming. have a trans boyfriend, and he really likes it when I call him sir. So I would never, I would never want to deny him of that pleasure. You know, like <laughs> correct. <laughs> okay. Nice. So take me back to baby Jim, baby James. Okay. This is Gab and Gay time. So I want to know your history. Where are you from? Oh, my, is this my yeah. X-Men origin story? Yeah, yeah give us my, your origin story. My, is this a villain origin story or a hero It's whatever you want it to story. be. Everybody is the villain in someone else's story at some point. Uh, so it was a uh, rainy <laughs> fall night, October 11th, 1980. Uh, when my dear mother went into labor with me. Um, I was born in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, uh, and I grew up in uh, the first 10 years of my life. I always say, when I meet someone else who's from the Midwest or from Iowa, I always say, I did 10 years in Cedar Rapids, <laughs> which sounds like a prison sentence, but if you're from the Midwest, you understand. I understand. That, that was that. my first 10. <laughs> yeah, my first 10 were in... In uh, a place called Palo, Iowa, which yeah, sounds probably sounds like <laughs> exactly very, what it, it is. It's very, very small, and one um, light, one light or two, any light. One, one, two. Okay, two cross sections, two, two lights. Okay. Um, one bar, one gas station. Um, you literally could stand on your porch of Palo and holler at your kids, and they would hear you if they were outside, mm-hmm. wherever they were in town, they would hear you. Very tiny. You could definitely yell loud enough to be heard on the other side of town. And my, I know my mom used to. Um, and then when I was like, we did live in Cedar Rapids for a little while. Um, and then when I was like 10, um, my mother just looked around and didn't want to be in Iowa anymore. And her um, best friend had moved to Tennessee because she married a man who worked at one of the plants in Oak Ridge and my mom missed her best friend and we packed up and moved in December of 1991. We had Christmas at our old house and then packed everything up and left the next day and moved to Tennessee. Oh, wow. Um, And we moved to Oak Ridge, which is where I grew up. I went to all through like middle school and high school. It was was called the junior high back when I was a kid yeah. but now I guess they're all called middle schools yep yeah um but yeah that's where I and then when I was like 19 or 20 I moved to Knoxville when did you know know that I was awesome yes <laughs> know that you were I mean um you didn't I, I you mean didn't I knew at a very other... young age that I was different I remember my my like very first memory of anything like remotely homosexual was watching um Conan the Barbarian and <laughs> and not and thinking just f- for like probably hours just sitting in my room afterwards thinking about what it would feel like to squeeze Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> butt like that's a, I mean you know I was like seven so I just was like I, I just wonder what it would feel like what his butt feels like 
Um, and then uh, probably like junior high. Junior high is when when things started to get sexual, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just having this discussion with my housemates last night. I was saying it's very, it's very different when you, or it was very different in the 90s being a gay teenager in a small town in the South. I probably gave a half a dozen blowjobs before anybody ever, before I ever got my first kiss. You know, like it's very, very backwards. (laughs) Very backwards. (laughs) Um, I think that I gave my first blowjob when I, is it okay to talk about blowjobs on your podcast? (laughs) Who the fuck you think? Who do you think you're talking to? Of course it is. I probably gave my first blowjob when I was like 11 and I don't think a, a boy or a girl kissed me until I was like 16 (laughs) I kissed a girl when I was 16 and I think the first time I kissed a boy I was like 19 and I was an expert at fellatio before I (laughs) before I knew anything about kissing (laughs) which probably made you a good kisser no I think that it made me a bad kisser because they were like are you trying to swallow my tongue what (laughs) I learned how to kiss from girls though so I'm really good at it now I learned from the back of my hand. Oh. Yeah, I was, yeah, one of those. But I'm a great kisser now. I was going to be bad. but I'm No, not. be bad. I was going to tell, I was going to be a joke, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> Isn't that what you do? Aren't you a comedian? Yeah, but, you know, it'll, anyway, it's dumb. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I, my now, do you, first I, kiss was kindergarten, yeah. I think kindergarten my first mm-hmm. kiss wasn't until i was 13 i mean like that was a, but like a real kiss yeah was i'm 10. gonna get a message from 10. somebody that i've known like my whole life and they're gonna be like we kissed when we were nine and i can't believe you don't remember it but <laughs> yes. i'm pretty sure I, I was like a full grown teenager before i ever kissed anyone so you said that you were different did you how do you identify now or how did you identify then and versus how you so identify now? I didn't identify as anything except for like a shitty snot nosed teenager back then. But um, I identified from the age of 16 to 39 as a gay man. Uh, and that's only recently changed. And, and it has a lot to do with me being exposed to a lot more. In the past couple years, a lot more people, a lot more, um, a lot more options, a lot more, um, feelings. Like I just, I I suppose, uh, anyway, Uh, I identify now. I think that I've landed on bisexual. Um, I am, I, I've landed on bisexual versus pansexual because I think that my attraction to women is purely sexual. I don't think that I would want a romantic relationship with a woman. Um, I, I think that has a lo- that probably has a lot to do with the, the bonds and the friendships that I form with women. I wouldn't want that to be muddled in any sort of way with with sex. Um, but I, I, I am attracted to women and desire now to have sex with women which is new <laughs> it is it's it's very new it's, it's very new we um, um i haven't talked to you since then so yeah tell me about your boyfriend yeah. and about how in love you are and i um, see it everywhere and it's I, gross <laughs> it's disgusting i have a boyfriend uh which is 
also, again, like a huge change because I've spent my entire life assuming that it just like relationships and love and that sort of romance wasn't for me because I don't think it is for everybody. Um, and so I've never, aside from like a year and a half relationship when I was in my very early 20s, I've never, I've never dated anyone before or had the desire before. I've never, you know, we've known each other a long time and you've never seen me looking for a relationship before. Um, but I uh, met this guy on TikTok <laughs> of all places <laughs> um, and his name is Ellis and we just started talking and before we knew it, we were talking like all day on text and talking every night like physically like on the phone or facetiming you know and um we just really started liking each other and uh we talked for about three months and and he came to visit just recently um a few weeks ago and i'm sorry i didn't get to meet him Maybe next time. He's coming back soon. But um, so he is a proud trans man. And that's not something that I knew that I was attracted to until recently. But I think it's because I didn't know any trans men until recently. It wasn't. It wasn't something that I had been exposed to, even though I've been in the queer community for, you know, 20 years. It's just not something that. I don't know if it was that I my mind wasn't open enough to to experience or I don't know. I didn't know yeah. any trans men. I didn't make the effort to know any trans men. Um, Which kind of tells me that it's maybe Ellis is a person. Yeah. And not necessarily how they identify. Yeah. I think that's it's. I mean, I knew immediately that he was trans. It says so on his profile, mm-hmm. but it, um, it's, you look like you have a question, Gail. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like a teacher. Well, <laughs> no, I, th- I think because, uh, I think because you were like, I am gay and women know before it registered that trans men are men right and and even though you've seen interacted they've presented as men but you didn't sexualize them yeah because in your head i'm not turned on by this right in your head yeah that makes sense just like there there will be um gay men who are turned on by trans female uh, women, but also turned off by trans female women that complete a transition and, you know, no longer have, you know, they have a vagina now. Right. And so uh, it's it's a weird thing, but I think, you know, there was a great it's the uh, conditioning of sexuality. And now yeah. that your brain has unlocked uh, it that completely unlocked things are not as that seemed yeah. that there I didn't more... realize that I was using only a small portion of that part of my brain and now it's opened and so I 
I identify as a queer who is attracted to other queers. Like that is that's that's the only requirement for me. You got to be queer and you got to be weird. And <laughs> there you go. And there. if I think you're sexy, then we're gonna fuck. Well, not now because I have a boyfriend and I'm a, in a committed relationship. <laughs> I was like, I know. I will completely figure out my sexuality and open myself up to everything. But then immediately I will get in a committed relationship. Yes. <laughs> but that's I wouldn't want it, it any other way. What you were talking about, there's a great storyline on Pose where uh, Electra is a trans woman, but still has her penis. And she decides that her, she wants to be, you know, all woman. And she goes ahead and she has the surgery. Well, her sugar daddy did not like that at all. And was like, that's why I was with you. That's why I was attracted to you. And it's it's a sad story, but it See, happens. That's the kind of stuff I worry about, like unnecessarily. It doesn't affect me, but I see. I'm like. Oh. Well, and the, you know, the too and I don't Ellis want you that, to like, live that. I was nervous before Ellis and I surprise slept together. <laughs> surprise, we did it. Yeah, how's eating um, pussy? So, <laughs> so I I was on I I was very nervous because it is equipment that I haven't worked with in a really long time, and when I did it, I was like 15, and it was like for three minutes you know but um i knew that it did that i was gonna figure it out because that's how much i cared about ellis i was gonna Mm -hmm. i was gonna figure it out what i didn't expect was to like it as much as i did and so that i think is what i mean i knew i was gonna like it i knew i was going to enjoy having no you can say that i mean like I, i that's what has opened up my mind to now realize that like I am sexually attracted to women as well. Like I like eating pussy, you know, like I like it. And, and that's a touchy subject because not, not every trans guy would like for their genitals to be referred to as a pussy. Hey, we've said so on the show. Kalingus is not my favorite thing. I don't know what it is. It's something in my head, but when it does happen, it's extremely pleasurable, especially when you're getting fisted. But, (laughs) I haven't, I haven't uh, well, no, I can't say I've never tried that before, but I haven't tried that with my current partner. <laughs> it's a discussion we haven't had. I did accidentally do it on the hood of someone's truck back in the early 2000s. Though. But I, I think it's, I think it's accidentally. Yeah. Well, you know, you it's go like, that, but you it's... go a couple in and then you're like, oh, more. Okay. And then you just, before you know it, you're up yeah. to the elbow. There is like. No freaking way. No. No way. Okay. I know. I'm sad. I mean, it just. Oh, we're not going to. We can't go into like how we. I I can't go too far into kinks or else the world will know just how boring I am. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I know. Are you just saying physically? Yeah. For me, physically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's hard. There are, some women are really, really narrow, yeah. and it I mean, just doesn't happen. I mean, you would think that I would be built differently, but no, it is not good. <laughs> you, you, you would know? think that I've got a large cavernous yes. vagina, no, but I do not. You would, you would think, like, seriously, I'm sure you would be like, oh, yeah, but... Mm, <laughs> yeah, she's got a deep one. After <laughs> I had my daughter, it, they lot was redone in there. It's a little oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. They yeah. repaved it. Yes. 
uh, had a remodel. Yeah. Did you? And I just I have to ask, and I'm just talking about from a complete pleasure standpoint. Did you have a Hitachi as well? Did you no. have a toy or anything no. like that? I just manpower. Okay. Just good old fashioned like yeah. the Bible mm-hmm. told I mean, us to do. I <laughs> highly <laughs> suggest. <laughs> That'll be your wedding gift. <laughs> I'm literally just, gonna just I'm gonna write on out pleasure alone. The Song of Solomon and give it to <laughs> James. Uh, no, there's you there's plans the for for much more. Yeah, but you know that was our first time. I didn't want to like run the electricity bill up too high or. <laughs> yeah, and your first time meeting each other, you kind of have to take things slow because you are you. Yes, you've connected with one another virtually mm-hmm. but when you're together it's a whole nother ball game yeah because what if you got together and you didn't like each other oh, you know some yeah yeah see <laughs> honestly, yeah. but i knew we would i knew we were going to like we've had we've had a lot of i knew that i loved ellis before i met him i didn't say it until after mm-hmm. i met him but i knew i did before i before we physically met in person but it's also a, a different a different time you know like yeah. we we never met in person but we probably facetimed i don't know 70 80 times before we met each other you know like we knew each other before we met each other Right. What I'm saying is when you meet somebody physically, like face to face, that there could be something. I had very many. Remember when you would talk on the phone? You know? Oh, yeah. I, and I used to, I come from a, a time where like in order to meet gay singles, I would join like phone chat lines and I would be like 17 talking to like 40 year old men. And I would be like, uh, my car's broken. You have to come pick me up. And they didn't know that they were coming to pick me up at my fucking family home and that I was uh, only 17 and I would yeah. like go you know they would come and drive a half an hour and pick me they probably did know I was 17 but oh, yeah. <laughs> they would come like hops. drive 30 minutes and pick me is up at my family home is that scary home to and, think of now that you look back at your life and, and you think oh my god I could have been killed I don't I don't I don't think so but I my brain doesn't work that way because yeah. I think like well, thank thank God you're I feel like, I mean, I could have. brain worked that way. We wouldn't I, have grinder and Tinder. Yeah, and I mean, I 100% think that, that I could have been killed back then, and I'm, and I'm grateful that I wasn't, but I don't think it's, I, I don't think that it's something that I really think about, because it's, I think it's silly to dwell on I don't things know. like that. Like, I made if, it through, so. <laughs> also, like, if not, the meth didn't kill me, then. Oh, my God. <laughs> Were you on meth as well? Oh, I was a gay man in the early 2000s. I did any drug that anybody handed me mm. uh, that's that's how you know especially if it went up your nose yeah especially really? if it went up your nose because any if, when you snort something that feels like you're the most popular person in the room when you're putting drugs up your nose do you want <laughs> know i've had water up my nose i don't want do you want to do you want to hear evidence of how many drugs i put up my nose in the <laughs> In the early 2000s, it's an audio, it's an audio evident piece of evidence. Your deviated symptom. Yeah, it sounds like this. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yay. Is there pain involved? Is it like numb? My nose? Yeah. No. It just makes that noise because there's probably little bitty holes in it or something. (laughs) Yikes. I can't. I guess I'm not gonna send this link to my mom. 
<laughs> like to this episode. Do you want her to edit out your illicit no, drug use of your past? I've always been I a mean, pretty open overcome book. Overcome you've overcome things. that. You're not, you know, you're not doing yeah. meth now, are you? No, and no. and I never had a. I know, I know that this sounds like the first thing like an addict says, but I never had a problem with. I've had I've had addiction problems with many things, but like drugs, drugs and you're able to take them. it. Leave drugs it. or alcohol yeah. are not them. My addictions lie in like food and like. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because yeah. we we all have our food addiction yeah. problems. Um, being a gay man in the gay community, I would imagine like everybody has their niche. Like gym rats, like gym rats, and bigger people, bears like bears. You know, how was it growing up for you in the gay community um, being a larger man? I don't, it wasn't really something that, I don't know, it's hard to really put into words the way that, because I felt different ways about it at different times, mm-hmm. um, because I was never interested in relationships or love or anything like that, I don't know. <laughs> Why were you not interested in relationships? Just out of curiosity, like what... Was it because of how people treated you because of your weight? No, I think a lot of it had to do with, uh, I'm, I feel like in certain ways, um, I'm a very selfish person and I never wanted to carve out a place in my life for anyone else because I didn't want to put the effort towards it. I liked the way that things were going just fine. I didn't want to share any of my spare time with anyone else I didn't want to um, I didn't want to wake up next to myself every day so I couldn't imagine like looking for another person to look to wake up next to every day you know like it just it just wasn't on my radar it wasn't something I was interested in I enjoyed friendships and cultivating relationships in that sort of way much more than love ever or I mean my relationships are love my friendships are love mm-hmm. if if you are a friend of mine you know that it's that it's but a sexual so relationship much love. is what but you're yeah about. like yeah. I just wasn't ever interested in it like I don't know did but you have I, more female friends that you felt that way with that I felt yeah like you're you're uh the platonic relationships that you had with yeah. people that kind of sustained you emotionally. Yeah. Were those female relationships primarily? Um, I think when I was younger, I had a mostly female relationships and, and <laughs> the, the bonding that I did do with other, with men were like my friends, my, my friends, boyfriends, or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. or their brothers or something like that. I actually find it very easy to bond with other men. Um, but sometimes other men don't necessarily find it easy to bond with me, but that's something that they usually, I usually change their mind on pretty quickly. I, I usually, I don't, Yeah. I, I, also, I know. I know what you're saying. You're very, I, very charming. You're very charismatic. I mean, who would not fucking love you? Um, I mean, there are some people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but you know, I also have a lot of really 
close male gay male friends you know like Mm -hmm. you you had you can't not I think you know like there I mean I guess there are some gay men who are just like I don't identify with other gay men and I have nothing in common with other gay men but I feel like that has a lot to do with them as a person and not yeah yeah Yeah, that seems yeah yeah no there's always community yeah I, I also I also come from a generation of queer that like was sort of raised on self-hate and like but you think because of AIDS like the fallout of the AIDS epi- I think epidemic. so and I think I think a lot of it had to do with the way that media portrayed the AIDS epidemic definitely and the way that straight america portrayed the aids epidemic and yeah it was a rough time i was around then i i i lost a lot of people that i cared dearly about and people still were not nice they're afraid and i think a lot of them are because a lot of quote straight men are also on the low I think a lot of them have a lot of gay sex that they don't want to admit to. Oh, yeah. I think that's a lot of a visceral reaction to men. Like the epiphany of the sexuality conversation in the spectrum should let people know they're not, you know, you're not insane. There's there's something, you know, logical and sane about how you feel. You don't have to beat someone up because they're different or because they trigger a sexual response in your brain and so i you know i think that it sucked because the aids scared like covid how you know i mean it scared the hell out of people and then people who tried to be very puritanical and had already you know been preaching abstinence they just got even yeah. more militant mm-hmm. about it yeah i can't imagine i mean i was i, I mean it was I, I insane came in, i came like and came the in fear. After, like the tail end of that like and the you know. fear but they didn't have drugs at the time yeah but it I guess, was a death i guess i would say that my AIDS. my uh aids and hiv the memories i have of aids and hiv when i was a child and like what I knew about it was like Magic Johnson had it, but he was fine. And, oh, you know, yeah, like, yeah, no. I was, I was at the very tail end of it, but I, but I am very aware of, of AIDS in the 1980s. And I've made myself very aware and, and educated myself quite a bit. So on, on, I was a child of that. So that was like what, 1980, 81. I mean, I know it was as early as the late seventies, but think, when it, I think the well, first, the I, first recorded, I feel like it's like 1983 or something was yeah. like the first recorded case of HIV. For me, or something like that. I, it's when it hit directly. You know, yeah. things, the difference between major and minor surgery is minor is when it's happening to you and major is when it's happening to me. It doesn't yeah. matter what the surgery is. I mean, the same thing as that. Uh, and, t- you know, when you heard about AIDS in California, it wasn't close to. Florida, yeah. Although it was extremely close to Florida because we have the Navy in Florida, right? But when they you first know? said, when they f- <clears throat> first were talking about it, and they were like, 
you could possibly get it through saliva. Yes. And then I mean, we were like, everything. Fuck. You know, I was, I was 10, 11, 12 then. I was like getting ready to have my first kiss. Is this going to ruin me to have my first kiss? Right. I mean, yeah. it was a lot of crazy information and misinformation. I mean, it, it shaped... I had to have classes on, you know, handling body bodily fluids and sterilization and our sanitation, you know, went double and triple. And as a matter of fact, in some states, that's all they want to know is if, you know, for continuing education, do you know this protocol for, you know, blood handling, airborne disease, you know, disease and uh, even though we're not doctors and are not supposed to um, and then, diagnose anything, we have to be sanitary enough to stop a spread of things like that. So, I mean, it was very, you know, it's very intense. And it's all starting to come out now. But having people, people die was very, very, you know, I mean, changed is a significant emotional event but to have so many people uh from seeing like a ground zero person who spread without uh care without telling people without consent i mean there were a lot of asshole moves made you know back then and it's it sucks because there are a lot of people that didn't take responsibility and um that also caused a lot of freaking setback for the gay community because you know everybody is an asshole there are assholes in every single community every race every creed everywhere there just are and so they're constantly ruining it for everybody but they weren't the norm however because of how it you know it spread and how much misinformation we had it makes you uh kind of poo-poo the information that you have you know you're kind of like yeah really they said yeah, it was this they said it was that is it really you know well now all that stuff starting yourself. to come out you know it always takes what 40 years for people to fucking catch yeah, up and, and start releasing information so i mean you know and that's been a community that uh first of all all of the aids research uh i can't say all but a good amount of the aids research that's done the reason that people are able to um uh, have maintenance drugs and not die and it not be a death sentence was from private funding it wasn't the government helping people out yeah. it was people in the community because it was who you and had in your government people like joan river and, and people, people yeah, like. who were straight who had people affected by the community and and you know entertainers everyone everybody my age pretty much lost somebody to that they loved to AIDS you know it's it, if you knew anything about the gay community or were in the gay community at all and it's it's horrible and I you know I wish I could say I only had one and it was multiple people and it's you know it's just anyway 
Well, you worked in an industry where there was a higher percentage of gay gay people. Yeah, I didn't. There. I didn't know anybody when yeah. I was young that that had HIV or died of AIDS because I didn't know any gay people when I was younger. You well, know? where you lived, I think, made a difference. Like Pensacola, um, this past weekend, Memorial Day weekend, is a huge uh, gay event. Um, big, huge Memorial Day event celebrating gay pride and has been for a really long time. I mean, uh, uh, it's a big beach day, big, you know, very open kind of in between Pensacola and Navarre is where they used to have it. And now it's just become more mainstream. Uh, like, you know, some comic friends of mine were down there. I thought that was awesome that they went down there. So, I mean, it's cool, though. But I had the privilege of, you know, kind of being a little baby straight in the gay community because of beauty school, you know, being, yeah, always. I mean, yeah, I was right. They, You just know when you know people. And so they see me. They saw me because I am a gay man trapped inside my body. <laughs> You know? Yeah, we've been trained to identify. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. It's like my people, they know me. They know. And yeah. it's like, hello. And uh, who knows? Maybe I would have been, uh, you know, it would have worked out differently. Okay, you do something. <laughs> you work at a place and you do something really, really interesting. And as long as I've known you, you've been you've been doing something called the sonic games yes like we, are, these... we are actually in, in the middle of that right now this year okay tell people what that is because it's like the olympics for sonic what sonic yes. olympics yeah for the hedgehog or the no no for, i work for i work for sonic drive-in oh cool <laughs> Uh, so they do Dr. Pepper sponsors something not we're not sponsored this is not sponsored by Dr. Pepper but <laughs> Dr. Pepper sponsors something every year called um, the Dr. Pepper Sonic Games uh, and it starts in January with uh, every store in the nation every every Sonic store there's like over 3600 but not quite 3700 you know yeah, okay. something somewhere in between there and it starts with every store um, and the first part of the competition is they, they whittle it down um, based on like things like your mystery shop and, and your um, complaints that you get or you don't get and, and numbers and how quickly you're getting things out the door and the quality of your food. And, and they give you a thing called a food safety audit where they come and make sure that you're keeping everything in your store at the right temperature mm -hmm. and storing everything safely and things like that. So it's the and, best uh, of the best yeah. Sonics. So they, so it, yeah, it starts with 3,600. They whittle it down to like 500 and they, they make everybody in the top 500 feel special with like a banner for their store and stuff like that. And then, um, I think they go to like, uh, like 100 after that and they do a little something special for the 100 and then, they get down to the top 50 and when you make it to the top 50 uh you participate in something called the traveling knowledge bowl and they have a crew from dr pepper that comes to every state that the top 50 are in and they visit the the top 50 and you go to a hotel and you do like a quiz show yeah and um your whole team participates you have 
six people and a manager on a team because there are six different positions at Sonic that you can work and then a manager. And so they do like a quiz show and you do individually. You each have 10 questions that you have to answer uh, based on the food safety manual and based on the position that you're competing for. So um, the positions are manager. Um, up front, you have the car hop. You have the fountain, which is the person who makes the drinks and the ice cream and all of that. Um, you have the um, switchboard, which is what I compete in. That's the person who's taking the orders and keying in the orders. And then the manager expos, they put all the food in the bag. And then in the back of the house, you have front swap, which is anything that you make in a steamer, chili, cheese, tots, burritos, anything like that. Um, and also like the fried station, French fries, mozzarella sticks, tater tots and things like that. You have someone on grill who is cooking all the meat. And then you have someone who is in the dresser position who is making all the sandwiches. Um, so at Traveling Knowledgeable, you do 10 questions each on that. And then they add up everybody's score and then they take it down to a top 12. <laughs> and when you make it to the top 12, you get to travel to wherever, whichever big city the Sonic annual convention is in that year. Um, and you go like four days before the convention and they shut down a Sonic for two days and each team competes in a simulated 20 minute lunch rush while people are recording you and judging you and watching you. And the people that you're bringing the food out to are judges. Everybody's everybody's watching every move that you make you do it two days in a row the first day you do it for team competition where they see how you work as a team mm -hmm. as one mm -hmm. unit and then the second day they're looking at you individually and then they have a big ceremony where they award um gold silver and bronze medals in the team competition and then in the individual competition oh cool um yeah it's a, it's a lot of fun and it's also like how how many years have you done this my store has done, I believe, five, five or six years. Um, I myself have gone twice. Um, uh, I went in 2000. To the end, and you've gotten to the end. We've gotten to the, yeah, we've gotten to the top 12, like five, I think five times. And I myself have gotten to the top 12 uh, twice. Uh, in 19 in 19 it is not 1990 anything <laughs> in uh, 2000 you can edit that part out in 2018 we went to Washington DC that's where it was that year um, and my team won the gold medal so we were the best Sonic in the nation that year and then um, the second year I went which was 2019 we went to Austin Texas which was incredibly fun and my team won the silver medal that year, and I won a silver medal in my individual competition. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, I was second best. Yeah. <laughs> second best in the whole world. Nice. <laughs> um, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but it's a lot of fun. It's a blast. You know, like, when, when my team had gone several years before I started working there, and the first year that I went and they wanted me to go compete, I was like, I didn't really want to go. I had never flown in an airplane before, and I didn't imagine that. I have. I had all these horror stories running through my mind about fat people flying, and like I just wasn't really into it. And they kept telling me how cool of an experience it was, and I was like, man, you know, like I've played great big stages, and you know, like I mean, not like 
sold out like <laughs> like amphitheaters or anything like that. But you know, I've done a lot of cool stuff in my life, and I was like, yeah, I bet it's cool, but I don't want to. And I, and I let them talk me into it, and it's one of the coolest things that I've ever done in my whole life. And I didn't realize that I could be part of a team until somebody gave me the opportunity to be part of a team like that. And it and it changed the way I felt about just about everything. It changed the way I looked at myself. It changed the way I looked at my job. Um, and also, it's really sweet because they pay for everything. Dr. Pepper pays for every bit. I've come home with money because you, when, you, when you get medals, you... you you get, get a cash money. prize. You too. get cash prizes as well. And they also give you per diem. And if you're like trashy and cheap like me and you'll eat whatever, mm-hmm. you can save a lot of that money that they give you. <laughs> like they the first year we went, they have they have a lot of events in the in the convention center where food is provided. And a lot of times that food is in like containers. So I would just like fill up a bag with food and take it to my hotel room and put it in the refrigerator to eat later and then save the money that they gave me for the and when we went to dc we didn't go to a dinner in dc that didn't cost us each individually like less than 50 bucks it was because we stayed in national harbor which is a very Mm -hmm. like it's a very expensive place so but they pay for everything and they're really they're really cool like every year they get me a, a second plane ticket so that i can have two seats to myself so that i'm comfortable and they're very accommodating and they pick you up at the the uh airport in a limo and like a party limo and like it's just it's great and we didn't get to go last year because of the pandemic but i'm super stoked at the potential opportunity to go this year although it's in nashville which isn't as exciting because i go to nashville Nashville. all the time but you know it's still it'll it'll be a lot of fun yeah it's great you talk about the future you got big plans i don't have any i don't have any plans and <laughs> and it's actually kind of comforting <laughs> it feels kind of nice to just not i yeah let's talk about that a little bit because before covid we were all the time seeing each other you know we were at practice every week a show just about every week every couple of weeks Filling up life with busy time. Yes. Do you think that you think we'll ever get back to that point? Now, I know at this point you were not uh, you weren't in seeing, which I want to talk about that, too. Like, what all have you done with your life? Uh, I haven't done anything like (laughs) entertainment wise. Yeah. Um, I'm talking past, though. uh, Oh, oh, just like my resume. Yeah. Um, Give it. I mean, I grew up in in theater uh, and that sort of parlayed into uh, a pretty long career as an MC uh, in the local fringe arts, primarily in burlesque, but I did do a lot of other things um, as well. But most consistently in burlesque, um, I emceed probably for about 12 years um, for various performance groups. Um, I remember the might have been maybe the second time I met you but I don't know we were at Modern Studio and you said you're the next big thing <laughs> talking to me she was and you had bold. said something like you That's had, bold right? of me. yeah you had said you're what everybody's talking about right now 
Oh, yeah, you were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily in a good way. Not you necessarily were not. in a bad way, but they were talking. Oh, were yeah. they? <laughs> Yeah, I, had, so, I, had I forgot about what, that. What I had ruffled were, some feathers. Oh, tell me about but, the ruffle feathering. Oh, we we'll we can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I and so I did. I was with um with Salome Cabaret um in some form of another. Really, from the inception of it, um, I started in the first the first year. Um, I actually did a lot of their live photography. Um, not that I ever considered myself a photographer, but I was a quick <laughs> one taking pictures. camera and yes. I was, and I wanted to get in for free. So yeah. <laughs> I would take pictures. Um, and then I used to, um, write these sketches, um, with a good friend of mine and, we didn't have anywhere to perform them. We wrote these. They're very, they're very like after school special, like <laughs> strangers with candy esque. And, um, the, the producers of Salome Cabaret were like, well, yeah, you can do your word, your word little plays in our, <laughs> in our burlesque show. Why not? So we, I think the first time we did one, it was like an eighties show. So the after school special vibe fit in and, and they were all ridiculous. Like one was like, um, it was always like a, a title and then the subtitle was always the Crystal and LeVar story because our character's names were Crystal and LeVar. And so the first one was, but I drank the mouthwash, the Crystal and LeVar story. And it, Crystal thinks that she's pregnant and they go through this. They're on the phone together and they go through this whole thing. And um, she's like, but, but I drank the mouthwash and I jumped up and down afterwards. And there's no way that, you know, I like I, all, all of the myths that you yeah. learn when you're a 12, 13, 14 year old girl of the ways to keep from getting pregnant. Um, and uh, it turns out in the end that they had just kissed anyway and they and they didn't have sex. And she was like and LeVar was like, if there's no penetration, you know, like. But anyway, so we would do these ridiculous sketches Um and then there's a, your YouTube channel. At a, <laughs> right. I still, the script still exists. <laughs> nice. When, um, uh, and then uh, I would, I started, their original MC for Salome Cabaret was a guy named uh, Big Gay Phil. There were three big gays. There was Big Gay Phil, Big Gay James, and Big, Way, big Gay Rob. And we were all in, our, in the same circle of friends. Um, and Big Gay Phil... Um, originally, uh, Sassy Ann's was the bar that, that was Salome Cabaret's home base. We always mm -hmm. performed at Sassy Ann's, oh, which now I can't imagine because that there was no stage there. We just performed in the middle of the dance floor that was yes. already too small for the amount of people that were there. And we would block off half of that dance floor with a curtain so that we would have a changing room, you know, like, I, I don't know how we ever did it, but Humble um, beginnings. he, he worked at Sassy Ann's. And so when they started branching out and doing, um, shows at other places, um, he wasn't able to go to the other bars and work cause he worked for Sassy Ann's. I think mm -hmm. this is the case. I could be wrong, but, um, and so when we did shows, there wasn't any bad blood. He just worked for Sassy Ann's. Right. So when I, um, when they did shows other places, I would be the, the fill in MC when he couldn't do it. Or if they did a show at Sassy Ann's and he had something else going on, I was basically the fill in MC. Um, 
And I, it wasn't something that I knew anything about. It wasn't something that I desired. Um, now I know that it's been something that I have always wanted in my, my whole life that it's been, you know, like now I realize that growing up, my heroes were people like Mark Summers who hosted Double Dare and mm-hmm. Alex Trebek, who obviously hosted yeah. Jeopardy. But at the time I didn't know, I didn't know what I'm seeing. It was, was someone was just like, you just like say some funny stuff and then you introduce the next act. You're funny. You can do it. And they were dumb enough to hand me a microphone and I didn't stop after that. I just kept going. And eventually, Big Gay Phil sort of went on to do other things, and I took over full time. The MC is so important to a show, yes. I think. It's so important. Yeah. One of the most important roles the show See, and I was up. lucky mm-hmm. enough to, like, when I came around, Salome Cabaret still was, like, new, and, and the audiences weren't very big. And so I was able to figure things out and grow as as Salome Cabaret itself grew. Um, so I wasn't just like thrown in front of like, you know, the, at, at the end, towards the end there, n- not that it's over, but like before COVID, <laughs> you know, they, they had huge audiences. The burlesque shows in town had, we had built up a, a very nice. Two to 300 people. Yeah. We had a very nice uh, crowds of people would come out. And um, so I was lucky enough to get to like expand while it expanded. I can't imagine being thrown into like, emceeing in front of 300 people for the first time you know like yeah. the first time I emceed there were like seven people there and five and a half of them worked at the bar you know like it wasn't it's super rare that anybody just gets up and kills so I mean it's pretty cool that you're able to do that like I, but but I was also not like I <laughs> They they made fun of me. I didn't realize it, but I would use this. I had this a voice that they called my MC voice that I eventually quickly like learned how to get rid of. But I would get nervous, and so when I would get to the microphone, I would sort of like oh, oh, talk out of the side of my mouth, and I would be like, <laughs> "Welcome to the show!" And like uh, they yeah, made fun right. of me about it. And I pretty quickly was like, okay, well, I, let me just be myself, you know? Right. And and so once I learned how to, I think that was the key was just learning how to be myself on stage. And once, once I figured that out, you know, like it's, but I think that it's, it's, it's not necessarily something you can learn. I think it's something that you just have within, within you, you know, one of the biggest things with emceeing too, is that one of the first things that you have to learn if you don't already know how is how to read a room and how to adjust your performance based mm-hmm. on the room. And I've met a lot, I've seen a lot of MCs who don't have that knowledge or that skill. And it's I would painful. be one of them. No, I think, I, I think that you, I can't, now I can't, in my brain, I can't like rewind to a moment where I've seen I you MC. Although I knew I've seen you MC before. Uh, the 420 show that was at Coco Moon that one time. Oh, I don't think I, I think I, you were there. I yeah, don't think I, I was. was there. Yeah. That's when we met. I have a picture. Yeah. I can see yeah. if you were there because I have the cast <laughs> picture. Oh, you're right. I so. can. Um, I mean, I think that there are a lot of skills that can be taught to make somebody a sufficient MC, which is sufficient but I think that some things you just either know or you don't it's just something that you feel but it's the worst when uh, when a I mean being MC in theater reading the room helps 
Um, but I do not care for public speaking. So uh, that would be a big one right there. Yeah. Well, is- see, uh, the thing, I'm a Libra, and mm-hmm. I'm like the most Libra Libra that ever libra So I'm 50-50 on everything. And I either want everyone in the room to notice me, or I don't want anyone in the room to notice me. There's no in-between for me. Yeah. So James I've never... I was not there. I was, I was not, not there. there. Look at that. Are you sure that's not me in the blonde wig? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I know um, who that is, and no. So yeah, no. so I, I emceed for Salome Cabaret for a long time. Um, I had the pleasure of doing a lot of um, out-of-town festivals in the region, mm-hmm. traveling to some really cool places. Um, I was on the staff for the Smoky Mountain Burlesque Festival the year that we, and also in the showcase the year that we all got to perform for Dolly Parton. So that's mm-hmm. like something that I checked off my bucket list that I wouldn't even imagine I would never put on my bucket list because I would never think that it could in a million years happen like perform for Dolly Parton and make her laugh check entertain the most one of the the most entertaining entertaining people people on the planet I did that you know like um, and I co-produced a a show with two very good friends of mine called Bear Doll Burlesque Review for a while which is still in existence I've just since moved on from that um i i lived a great life but i think that the pandemic has made me you know what my favorite show is oh what? And we can't go without mentioning oh we produced a show together did I we did, we yes did. we did we did we did I, the 90s show i produced two shows uh independently from from any yeah, of but the, that's not the my favorite the 90s show wasn't my favorite what was gilligan's island that was a great God, show we had so much fun. i had a lot of fun with that show and you know um for those of you who don't follow my career <laughs> those listeners um i did uh i guess it was like was it five years ago now this summer um i produced my first thing independently of any like performance art group in town um and actually i guess it was the first thing i ever produced at all yeah um because I'd never been credited as a producer. You know, I'd never... But anyway, I have always been in love with the TV show Gilligan's Island, and I um, produced a show called Shipwrecked, a burlesque and variety tribute to Gilligan's Island, and um, it was a blast. Um, I brought together a group of people who I knew would deliver exactly what I wanted without me having to give them any sort of direction, Mm -hmm. and... Um, really the person who, like, I mean, everybody who participated made that show special, mm-hmm. but, uh, Rhoda Derrier, who I think you guys have had on the show before, mm-hmm. she emceed that for me, and I told her sort of the vision of it, I, I basically was just like, I wanted to flow like an episode, and she took just that little bit of information and she ran with it and the plot was that she comes home from a long day at work and she sits down and she smokes a big doobie and she falls asleep watching Gilligan's Island and when she wakes up she's shipwrecked on the island. Oh cool. And um, it had an incredible cast. Um, I think you've had a, a, several people we actually have. on your Ebony. podcast that were in that Ebony show. Ebony was in it. Betty yeah. was in it. And Tyra yeah was Betty in it. Uh, Betty played uh Marianne and she was sort of she was sort of new on the scene mm-hmm. at that time and um I had had a couple people in mind for it but but nobody really nailed down and 
I thought I just had seen her perform a couple times and I was like, I like what she's got. Like, I like, I like that flavor. And I asked her to do it. And, uh, Siren Santina. Have you guys had Siren on your show? We have. Yeah. She was my ginger (laughs) and, uh, Tiger Tangerine was, was in it. These are all people that maybe your listeners don't know. And I'm just (laughs) rambling now, but it was a great show. I mean, I were sea witches. Yeah. It was so Cute little sea witches. It was so fun. And we had it at a venue that, um, I got to, we sort of decorated it like a, like a little island theme. Yeah. Yeah, We decorated, we, we had a a little tiki hut and for a bar and stuff like that. And, I'm sure it's on video somewhere. It was a it was a lot of fun. Sold out. Uh and then a year later Braddy and I did uh, uh my so called show, a burlesque and variety tribute to the nineties. <laughs> um nice. and that was a lot of fun too. And that was another situation where I knew that I didn't have I didn't and the people I wanted in my show didn't have a lot of time to devote to like rehearsals or mm-hmm. ideas, soundboarding, anything like that. I, I picked people I knew I could say Come up with something. And they would deliver exactly what they wanted. So if I'm remembering this correctly, I've smoked a lot of weed since then. Chloe Hydes. Yes. um, When she did Zombie. Yes, we had drag in that that one. Yes. I forgot about that. Um, Just phenomenal performance. You got people in the audience crying. Yeah, she did great. And she was newer on the scene at that point, Mm -hmm. too. That's what I like to do. I like to provide (laughs) opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) And showcase people that, you know, wouldn't normally be on stage. Yeah, Yeah. they might not get that That's what I love about TikTok is that there's a lot of creative people out there that need an outlet. Uh, and gray sweatpants, also gray sweatpants <laughs> for TikTok. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun, and and so I don't really know what the future holds for Big Gay James uh, yeah. when it comes to performing. I don't have, I I don't have the desire to. I don't want to say I don't have the desire to perform, mm-hmm. but I don't have the desire to do any of the things that it takes to perform i don't i don't even have the desire to try to come up with a number uh i'm just focused on other things right now uh and i don't i don't know that i'll never return to it but i it seems doubtful (laughs) that i that i will um i would love to try to put together another show um, maybe produce something. I think that would be a lot of fun. But I just think that I'll I did that for as you. long as I was supposed to do that. You know, like mm-hmm. you feel like that season's over. Yeah, I think so. And also, like, I don't know where I'm going to be in a year, so yeah. I don't want to commit to anything. Because you're in an LDR. Yeah. And... Yeah, I, I did that tough. thing where you fall in love with somebody that lives 3,500 miles away from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's it's expensive, especially because we want to see each other as much as possible, yes. you know. So have now, you I'm like, about it? when people ask me like to do something, I have to say I can't. I'm in a long distance long distance relationship. All of my money goes to being able to see each other four times a year. Now, where does he live? He lives in uh, Moscow, Idaho, not Moscow, Russia. Right. <laughs> Well, how um, interesting. But yeah, he's right on the border of Idaho and Washington. 
Oh wow! Yeah, it's really pretty up there. I I hear. I'm gonna find it's out. Very. I'm going uh, for Thanksgiving, so mm-hmm. I'll get to. Stay. I've always wanted to visit the Pacific Northwest, and I now don't. You, now you get to. Yeah, and and I don't uh, imagine I should move there before I at least go visit. You know. Damn it! My brain is like. What's wrong with your brain? Well, I'm so sad because when he was talking about Idaho, all I'm thinking is Keanu Reeves, My Private Idaho. Oh, yeah. You know, like, didn't you see that movie? And then, like, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's Idaho. Wasn't that Idaho? Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Idaho. I've been to Boise, actually, because (laughs) when I was 30, 10 years ago, I met a man on the internet. And I drove to Idaho to spend three weeks with him. You drove? I, I'm sorry. I took a Greyhound bus to oh. Idaho. <sighs> yeah. I guess I could have told that story. But that's an adventure. <laughs> that was... You yeah. were it was, a, it was a huge adventure. Well, I, I... mean, that was some so, dickmatized so shit. I like, hadn't even, like... Men may, will crawl maybe, over glass. Maybe I had seen a very, like, pixelated version of <laughs> the penis, but, I, you know, this was in 2010, so there, it wasn't, we certainly weren't, like, live chatting or anything. It was so like it was, yellow. it was a pretty, pretty big mystery on the other end of that Greyhound trip. <laughs> and it took two, two days and two hours to get there on, on, like, seven different greyhounds the bus adventure alone yeah that's why i mean that was a big part of the the reason that i decided to go like we talked for a couple weeks online and i was about to turn 30 and i had never left where i live other than like a handful of visits to places and like iowa when i was a kid you know like Right. So uh, I thought this was my Kerouac moment. Like I'm going to ride a bus <laughs> a, across the country. And yeah, did you take notes? Did you write I, anything I, from it? I, Were you inspired? I had a digital camera with which <laughs> I would upload the photos from to my MySpace. <laughs> I wish I still had my MySpace. I kind of like. I'm sad. I left MySpace because it didn't have an emoticon for cunty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I wish I could get into my my MySpace because they're they're it's the only place where these photos of me and Johnny Knoxville singing karaoke together <laughs> exist, and I would really like to access See, those photos. Right? Why would yes? <laughs> but I can't. Some hacker. Justin Timberlake owns them now. Does he? Yeah. I, Does I mean, Justin he, Timberlake own MySpace now? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, okay. So maybe not, but like two years ago, he Is did. Is that a TikTok <laughs> conspiracy or a for real? No, deal? he bought it a couple years ago to try to turn it into like, um, uh, to keep it so like, like a music social media, page. but like more of a music based social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think anything ever happened to it. If I think that if you still remember your login, you can still yeah, log in. I, I think... just don't. I was going by the name Martha Dump Truck back then, and I don't remember any of the passwords I used. <laughs> That's a reference to Heather's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know Heather's. And I used to go to, like, shows... And that's that's how people would know me. Who who? This was just in the early days of like 
having friends like only online. Yes. And so I would go to shows and people who knew me only or primarily online would be like, Martha, dump truck! And they would be like <laughs> screaming it. And then my friends who did know me, but not on social media, would be like, what? What, are those, what are those people yelling at you? Or I'd go to drag shows and they would be like, Martha, dump truck's in the house. <laughs> it doesn't smell like anything. That was my I'm glad it doesn't name. smell like anything. <laughs> yes. I- I always love a good Heather's fan. Yes. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. It's great. I, I have to watch it every year just to remind myself who I am. Every year. Yeah. I Heathers. love those, like, were you vicious uh, teen girl movie, like, mean girls. Were you Winona? Every generation had one. <sighs> yes. Or were you one of the Heathers? No, I definitely wasn't a Heather, though I identified with... Um. Heather, Green Heather, Donahue. Yes, I think uh, that's Shannon Doherty, right? Yes, I think that's Heather mm-hmm. Donahue, and and the Don- I'm gonna have the to one in red is Heather this. Chandler. Right, I think that it's Donahue. Sound. You should look it up, but that's yeah, that is the, that know. is the Heather that, that I also identified with when I was younger. Yes. Was the one who was like sort of accidentally popular and like praying to God that no one found out that she was yes Heather Chandler Heather Duke which was the oh. cheerleader and Heather McNamara oh who's Heather Donahue Google know. Heather Donahue is that <laughs> someone that, that was that murdered that or something one? was that the fir- original oh, maybe Heather? Heather Donahue is the girl from the Blair Witch Project actually. maybe it is oh okay <laughs> what was sure. the original Heather's name Chandler. Chandler. Yeah, Heather Chandler. Right. Um I want yeah, to I be love those. Every Chandler gen- though. Every generation has those those, those like movies. peeks yes. into the real viciousness of teenage girls movies. My favorite is Jawbreaker, but that's the I one like from my Jawbreaker generation as well, but I liked Rose McGowan. Oh yeah. yeah. It's uh, that whole movie is great. There's like um there's a scene where they're carrying Julie's body um, back into the house mm-hmm. to like make it look like she had been left there or whatever, and they're in heels and like fishnets and they're like carrying her and like scooting across, and you see the reflection in the pool of like them carrying their dead friend mm-hmm. back into her house, and it's playing that um, car song "Let the Good Times Roll," <laughs> and to me that was just such a like I'm a big sucker for a movie moment, you know, one that you're just like gives you chills, and that's one of them for sure, like uh. Like when they all sing Tiny Dancer in the bus on yes. on uh, Almost Famous. And yes. you're just like, ah, oh. it makes you wish you were there. Not that I wish I was carrying my dead teenage friends <laughs> right. back into their house to make it look like they'd been raped and murdered. What but. was the Mean Girl movie of your... I could think of one. Oh my gosh, there are so many. I know, so many, but my automatic thought was Carrie. See, I thought Carrie as well, but then I was like, well, that's horror, though. But, but it's yeah, me, it's, yeah, it's but, all because but of Carrie, Mean Girls, but though. Carrie was the ultimate Mean Girl yeah. movie, but yet, be careful who you fuck with. Yeah, that's yes. the, the yeah. ultimate takeaway from Carrie is don't ever fuck with the weird girl. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, seriously. Yeah, what kind of different movie would it be had they been nice to her? Or yeah, had she seriously. just, like, taken it and, and, like, been like, well, one day I won't live here. And they won't be bothering yeah. me anymore, you know, yeah. which is the attitude you should take, I guess. But, <laughs> you know, and then her powers come in and she trips them oh on the, God. she becomes the mean girl. 
Yeah. But, you know. That's why it's my favorite. Stephen it's King. definitely, yeah, yeah, it's definitely like, I, I, I can't tolerate a lot of, I, when I, I went to jail one time and even in jail, I couldn't stomach reading a Stephen King book. And I read like a Judy Bloom book instead or something. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's just not a great selection. I love Stephen County jail. King and Clive Barker and every, literally. Just, I just think that Stephen King for me is hard to read because I don't. I don't think that he leaves enough for my imagination. I think that he's really descriptive and like, or maybe it's just because I, I don't know, maybe his writing style, he's trying to leave the like spooky parts to your imagination, but I want you to leave to the imagination, like what their house looks like and what she's wearing. And, you know, like those are the kinds of things that I want to imagine. And if you write them all out for me, I can't. Like, have you ever tried to read Nebikov? Uh, Lolita? He wrote Lolita? Oh, yes. I have it, read Lolita. It's hard to read because he's so descriptive. And you're like, I'm just reading a narrative. I'm not reading a, a book, you know? like Yeah. It's just, I don't know. A very underrated movie, in my opinion. But... Uh, the Lolita movie, oh, Lolita. The, Lolita, the oh. '90s uh, Lolita with Jeremy oh, Irons. I, yeah, I went hard on that movie. I, just I, mean, I was like, mm-hmm. I I grew up in a small town in East Tennessee in the '90s, so like for me, the indie section of our local Hollywood video was like my escape into into like realism. You know, like it was how I knew how the rest of the world worked. The first year I went, we got this Spirit Award. They give this Sherry Hastings Spirit Award. I'm telling you, I've never cried more in my life than I've cried at the Sonic Games. <laughs> when I got a silver medal, I bawled like a baby. They fucking filmed it. And then the next day, like, in the conference, the fucking president of Sonic it's on the talked big about screen. me. Yeah. The president like, of Sonic quoted well, something I said. This is how much these games mean yeah. to our employees. It, 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 it means so much more to me than I would have ever expected mm-hmm. that it would mean to me. It, it, and That's really I neat, though. I mean, excellent. It. Yes. Yeah. it was a height of excellence yeah. for you yeah, that was, you had not. But um, Sherry Hastings was a woman whose parents owned some of the first Sonics in existence. And she grew up and she owned Sonics and she lived and breathed the the entire brand. She loved it. It was her whole life. And she died of, she was such a spirit. Like everybody that met her, just mm-hmm. like they were a better person because they met her. And maybe like s- seven or eight years ago, she um, died of breast cancer. And mm-hmm. they give this award every year that comes with $1,000 um, to the team that sh- of the top 12 that shows the most spirit. And we won it the first year that I went. Yeah. Well, and also, yeah. like, Sonic was sort of made for people who, who for that situation, you don't go in. Yeah. You, you're just, you, they you come only to your encounter door. one person, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, that's lessens your chance of, of well, catching Well, that makes any. sense. Yeah. Yeah. We were slammed. We got to the point where, like, we had to try to figure out how to get the city to get our, our trash pickup picked up more than than twice a week because we didn't have anywhere to put our trash because we were so busy it was insane it is a good company to work for and and my boss is a good boss to work for like and she she like has created this this like teen queer mecca in our (laughs) store she hires anybody that she smells any bit of queerness on she hires and 
and she's really into like providing a safe space for these well, where young is your adults. Sonic? And these, it's it's in it's the one that's on Chapman Highway, like almost into Seymour. Nice. There's the Lowe's right there. Yeah, and, and, I know uh, where it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and she's really into making sure that these kids like. We she's really into us like keeping our energy a certain way at work and our positivity up because a lot of these kids come from really shitty home lives and they mm-hmm. they get yelled at or are hearing people yelling at each other all all day and night at home and she's like when they are at work I just don't want them to have to deal with something like that I want mm-hmm. them to be able to just come here and be themselves and work you know and word got out and so now we're like like we're to the point where like if we did have pride this year she would probably say that nobody was allowed to ask for it off because everybody would want to ask for it off like that's how queer our store is (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty awesome that's that is awesome i got news for people like fat is not going away the world's just gonna get fatter honestly It's it's just it's just how things are it was easy to be skinny in the 1800s because food was disgusting it's delicious now. That's why everyone's fat. <laughs> well, it's that, and we don't. Um, the formula is the same. We need to burn more calories than we consume. Yeah, but who's, so, whose fault is that it is so delicious and why we are fat? The devil. Well, that's. <laughs> the but, devil makes it delicious. <laughs> the devil makes it delicious. Um, but I'm, I'm a food addict myself there yeah. are certain things that i like and um weed does not help that because weed makes everything taste better i don't care what anybody says everything tastes better when you're stoned sex is better your whole mood is better everything's fucking better unless it triggers anxiety for you and then it is not better it is all well like there is sandpaper. such a thing as being too I was, high i was telling somebody at work <laughs> this the other day they were talking or talking about like they couldn't smoke weed because it made him too paranoid and it made him too nervous. And I was like, no, yeah. that's the firewall. You just have to smoke past that. And then <laughs> then you'll be all right. <laughs> then you're all right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, if you can tough it out, how, I, you, ugh, but it does. Do you have anxiety attacks with no, it? No, I don't. I'm usually um, very. I have in the past. I've had, I've had times me. in the past where I've had to stop smoking. For a, a period of time, just mm-hmm. because, like, I couldn't, my psyche oh, couldn't yeah. handle it. And, yes, for sure. Well, it is a depressant. And I don't. As uh, well. Yeah, it can be. <clears throat> for sure. Depending on what kind yeah, of Yeah, I think the, the way that I com- combated that was I just started paying more attention to what kind of weed I was smoking. Mm-hmm. I stopped just being like, here's $100, give me whatever. And yeah. <laughs> how, how to consume it as well. Yeah. You know. That's yes. Too. And I, I'll, you know. I have, uh, I don't just sit and smoke. I'm a stoner on the go. I don't like all day long have yeah. it with me. It's an effort to smoke weed like I have yeah. to. I don't smoke it I've until I get areas. home from work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't wake up and smoke Yeah, and it. I, don't I don't ever work high work. because I, I don't ever want to, like, I don't want that to be a hindrance. I think that I used to go to work high all the time. Um, but my work is kind of high stress. And if I go to work high very shortly after I 
am at work, I'm going to not be high anymore, and then I'm just going to be really irritable and annoyed at, like, every little thing, because I did feel fine, and now I don't anymore. <laughs> so uh, I just go into work feeling like shit, and work feeling like shit, and then when I get home, I make myself feel better, you know? Like, and it's yes, that's, that's the way to do it, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah and, I, and when I get home, like... I smoke a bowl, and then maybe, like, a couple hours later before I have dinner, I smoke a bowl, and then mm -hmm. I might, like, finish off that bowl before I go to bed. Like, I don't ever sit down and, like, roll joints for myself or, you know, like, I can I can buy a bag of weed and it can last me an entire month, you know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not always how my life has been. That's just been, like, the past few years, you know? Mm -hmm. There has been times in my life when I'm, like, rolling a whole blunt for myself you know i do <laughs> yes i understand i wish that i understand I the concept just, what would your just like, start your own cult okay. yeah well Thank no you. first of all well <laughs> why wouldn't you start your cult i think that i would be good at leading a cult but i would definitely need like a really good like right hand person like a really good like somebody to enforce all the weird that ass rules. That should be like, a new um, partnership for you and your new partner. We we have discussed. <laughs> we have discussed his oh, role. Oh, that sounds. To, we have discussed. That his sounds role in the like cult. a nice little <laughs> he has plan. To have a strong arm. Yeah, and yeah. that sounds like yeah, a plan. Yeah, we have discussed how good he is at like paperwork and enforcing rules. And, yes. And and so you sign the yeah, waiver. Yeah. Come come inside. <laughs> We've discussed that because he's aware that he couldn't he couldn't ever start start or lead the cults, but he could definitely like he's the one who's actually making the cult run. Yeah. I, yeah. Just the face of it. You always have to listen. This is people don't understand. You have to have some administration. Yeah, but you I know? don't want to just start a cult. I want to like see where other cults are not not doing things right. You know, like well, like let's not have any cyanide lace Kool Aid. Yeah, no, that's very that would retro be, in a very that bad would be way. very yeah, not cool. Yeah. But so so, I, do you know do you know who Cor, Cor Cohen is? She's Cor? a she's a comedian who oh, is yes, from I here, know but Cor. She, she lives in L.A. now. Yeah. Yes, very she, well actually. She and I are um, always like playing around with this idea that I have a TV show where I join a cult like just for a few days, and, like, go undercover <laughs> in a cult and just like poke around and, and like stir things up a little bit and then leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both uh, Brady and I would have been in uh, the next film called. <laughs> oh, see, mine would have been like I right? probably would have got. I probably would have got got by that uh, Andrew Keegan like surfer beach call. Do you do you guys know what that is? Mm -hmm. Do you know who Andrew Keegan is? So Andrew is Keegan. He Andrew that, Keegan uh, was like he was the. Was he on the internet like he, before it? No. He's a he's a '90s like teen heartthrob actor. He's in like he's like the asshole in Ten Things I Hate About You. If you've ever seen, okay, that. Uh, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. He, he's yeah. like he was in like all the like Teen Beat, Teen okay, Bomb yeah, magazines and stuff is. like that. He started a like a surfer cult a few years ago. I think it's still in existence. But that's what it got me. It would have been like somebody would have like, hey man, you want to come smoke some weed and just like talk about stuff? And I would be like, yeah. And I would get in the van. And it, then it would be over. <laughs> so it's called Full Circle, and it's made up of eight core members led by Keegan, the Inner Circle, 
one of which refers to himself as Third Eye. Uh-huh. They also have a giant talking parrot named Krishna as their pet. I didn't know that I'm in. I, somebody, <laughs> like, somebody pulls up a van and was like, do you want some weed? We have a bird. And I, you never see me again. <laughs> Listen, I can get you on a little tour to do that. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, we need I core. Okay, also, so, like, right. I think that... I, I think that I have it in me to take over an already existing cult. I think I, I mean, I have a lot of charm and charisma and I think that I could take over an already known and existing cult from the person so, who's currently leading it. Do you remember um, the cult on a, so well, fabulous. the alleged cult on TikTok called The Garden? Remember it was in like, it's Oh in yeah, Tennessee. yeah, it's here in Tennessee. And yes. they said that girl like skinned and ate her dog and like all that shit. No, so I Vice went down there, Vice News. Oh yeah. And did uh, I love Vice. They're yeah. so underrated. And mm-hmm. did, uh, you know, just went in and just started talking to him and stuff like that. And it just really looks like to me just a bunch of hippies that just want to live by themselves and want to be self-sustaining and, you know, they just want to produce love. It where is yeah. this? Uh, remember, we were gonna go. It's in Galen, yes, yeah. Tennessee, yes. And uh, so Vice did a story. Vice on did it? a story. Wait, it. so did Vice used to be like kind of trash, trash entertainment or like trash media? And I feel like it's got a bad rap, but like I've always no, no they were just very, a, very left. They were a um, YouTube self-start though right and okay they, they you know hbo like, picked them up and then they went to showtime they have yeah. great content a guy that i went to yeah. high school with had a show on vice um i don't know what it was about i never watched it but but the cat story was they no waste okay and yeah. that's that's what this girl was she was a no waste person and this was a barn cat that kept eating the the, the chicks and eating the chickens. So she ate the cat? Yeah. And she, well, did she eat the cat? I don't know. <laughs> I think they, Can you guys maybe, get her on the podcast? Vice, what is it? Vice what? Just Vice the garden. But, Vice well, the I garden. think they were so upset because she skinned the cat. Maybe. Oh, well. And made a hat out of it. <sighs> but I you talk, you know, you look at her and you, you see, uh. I just see like a quirky, you know, woman that just wants to be her and she's found a place where she can be her this well, is the, the garden my yeah. question is why like what did they expect was going to happen oh, when, when they when they got on tiktok and made themselves viral by inviting people to come there some people are just dumb yeah it closed may 24th yeah oh, they closed yeah it. they had yeah. to close it because so are many we people were visiting there <laughs> That's what it asked. I mean, Aww. people came. Uh, oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, there were thousands leave? of people mm-hmm. like coming there because yeah. they got on TikTok and they were like, "Come visit our community," and people did. Yeah. And then they had to close that down because people, everybody was mad that so many people were in that area. That people are looking for something different. You know, they are tired of being taxed told what to do just constantly you know some people want to save the earth and save the environment and they think that being self-sustaining is the best way to do it yeah um i suppose on the spectrum of cult interest though my interest 
lie more in the like sex the, cult. Like no, but like in the like Nexium Scientology, like the cults with money. I don't want to go live off the land. I want to go live off of money that yeah. has been swindled from other people. That's all religion in a nutshell, right there. So okay. All right. So here's what you can do. <laughs> yes. Every, I've been dying to have a third on this project because everybody it's, it's loves a good right MLM. Now. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know? Oh, yes. Uh, speaking of that, yeah. did you guys ever watch this show called On Becoming a God in South Florida? It's it's based on a book. I did watch About it. About MLM. It's so good. Is Kirsten so Dunn? Good. Yes. It has yeah. Alexander Kiersgaard, who is one of yes. my favorite. Mm, yeah. Yes. Let me have you, Eric. Yum yum yes. yum. Eric yum. Northman. But, um, <laughs> um, but it only had one season. Yeah, they're not they're not returning. COVID COVID got rid of it. Yeah. But it was Which so it, good. It was such a good show, and it was about uh, multi level marketing and like the early 90s there's a scene the where she's cultish. like she's like riding kirsten dunce is riding down did you see it gail have you seen? i've seen i did i haven't seen uh it was a series wasn't it yeah and they yeah. just did the yeah, one i didn't season. see all of it so the, i only the, saw like the, two episodes. in the very beginning there's a scene where she's riding down the road on a like on like a pink atv with her baby strapped to her back <laughs> smoking a cigarette with her hair teased to the heavens <laughs> And I just, I was like, I didn't know I loved Kirsten Dunst, but yes. I love Kirsten now Dunst. Are you kidding? Drop Dead Gorgeous? Um, I think one time when I was 15, I read in an interview that she was mean to Christina Ricci. And so I decided then that I hated her because I lived and breathed Christina Ricci when I was 15 years old. And I just never forgave her. I never forgave her for it. I used to date somebody that was her bodyguard, Christina Ricci. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I read... She was the first person that I ever uh, read about, like, sexual, like, the first, I was a teenager when she was a teenager, we're, like, the same age, and she was the first person my age that I saw in media portraying themselves sexually. Like, I read, I remember reading this article in probably, like, 1996 in Rolling Stone magazine, and she's, like, 16, and she's talking about how she loved to go in public with short shorts, short skirts and no panties and, like, flash the old men just to see what they did at, like, 16 years old. And Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. like, printed this, you know, and I just remember being like, what a bad bitch. <laughs> like, I just, I loved her. Nice. <laughs> Was that obsessed. was her way of saying fuck the patriarchy. Yeah, well, but, and she also, like I said earlier, like, my gateway to, like, other places was the indie aisle at the movie, and she was in all all those mm-hmm. indie movies. That's what she was in, you know, the opposite of sex, and, like, Buffalo 66, mm-hmm. like, all those, not, she was the it girl when I was a teenager, for, for anybody who watched anything other than, like, you know. The Addams Family. Yeah, though so they've missed she, an she opportunity so... there. They need to bring. They need to make just one more Adams Family movie, Tim Burton, or yeah, Tim Burton yeah. style, in that where she marries that little, uh, that boy that she met at the summer camp. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and so great. I mean, the only part is who would be Gomez because Raul Julia was so good. Oh yeah, but I think that. that... I think that uh, that kid who is on American Horror Story. 
Evan Peters? Emma Emma, mm-hmm. <laughs> Emma Roberts? <laughs> no, oh, Evan. Okay. I think you get Scarlett Johansson to play him. Yeah, you could do that too. But I think Evan Peters would make an excellent Gomez. He's young. He is young, and yeah. yes, but did you? Not, and you're going to be with uh, Angelica did you see Houston him in Hotel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you want someone age appropriate? So you're oh Jackson. you're going to have Angelica yes. play and okay. Um, I would, or I mean uh, something could have had, and he went to the great beyond, and okay, um, the dude like, Antonio Banderas would make a good Gomez Adams, I think. And Morticia is like so sad that Gomez mm-hmm. is gone. Angelica and, Houston, by the way, what a queen! Yes, yeah, she's uh, amazing. Has always been amazing in everything. Mm-hmm. I've recently gained a love for um, for uh, Jane Fonda and um, Lily Tomlin. I've never really mm-hmm. like. Oh wow! They weren't really on my radar as a, a teenage boy when they were at the yeah. Uh, yeah. Bette Midler. You know. Have you seen The Incredible Shrinking Woman? When I was so when good. I was much younger, yeah. That yeah. movie scared the shit out of me when I, I was younger. I want to watch the one that that's um, that she and Bette Midler did together. The the twins like switched at birth one. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so, <laughs> back to business. Yeah, it's so good. It's really yeah, good. I want to see that one for sure. I just. Um, the other day, Cleo... First Wives Club um, was good I, as well. She didn't really know much about Bette Midler, and we watched The Divine Miss M. Oh, my like gosh, her, yes. Just like her and, and her, sh- her stage show. And I was like, this is you as an entertainer. I don't know why you don't already know what this is. Like, <laughs> Bette Midler, huge. Yes. Huge gay icon. Probably one of the, the first... I mean, that was really, really a, celebrated. She used to sing in, in like the bathhouses, mm-hmm. and you know, like guys used to listen to her while they were getting it in the ass. I think that's pretty. <laughs> if that doesn't give you icon status, right? <laughs> For sure. Plus, she was funny. I yeah. hate to be that mm-hmm. person. No, that's cool. Wow, <laughs> we could go on all day. Oh, no, you're gonna you're gonna icons. have to come back next year <laughs> during Pride Month. Unless we open this up, yes, next you never year. know. Unless yeah. you guys decide to give me my, my my own podcast, a spinoff of your podcast, <laughs> but someone else would have to edit it for me because I'm not into doing the hard work, just the fun work. <laughs> yeah, once you've taken this path, <laughs> all on your own, we're happy to help uh, do everything but that. It's like I'll do anything for love. But not edit your podcast. <laughs> you got to learn just like we did. Oh my gosh. And I'm still not. It's a sad day when it happens, but I can do it. I'm getting better, but it's uh, not good. However, you, can, hey, you don't have to edit. You could just talk. Yeah, that's and what do I said. It. You could do it Joe Rogan you could style. stick just, it in there. And yeah. know. This is my 14 and a half hour long podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I you can't just, if they're that long. I love, you could just my, do one of my favorite commentary. podcasts is Busy Phillips. She does, she has one called uh, Busy Doing Her Best or something mm-hmm. like that. And, uh, but they're all like three and a half hours long and I can't, who can listen to a three and a half hour long podcast? It depends on what you're doing. If I got my headphones on and I'm cleaning or something, yeah, I can do task-oriented things and stay on task by listening to someone else because I'm a kinetic learner. So the more movement I have, the better it is 
for my brain to process things. So it's a good time. It's weird. A lot of weird ideas. Yeah. While all that noise is going on. I listen to mine on the city bus. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks for popping my, my podcast, Cherry. You're very welcome. I hope everybody's enjoyed this episode of Gavin Gay Time. Do you want me to, can I tell your followers where to, I mean, your listeners where to follow me? Absolutely. Yeah. We were just getting, (laughs) yeah, do that. I was just getting ready to say do that. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) um, Let's see. Uh, I primarily, I mean, I use Facebook, but that's. It's old for old people. Yeah. So you can follow me uh, on Instagram. Who the fuck is Big Gay James is my at at Instagram. And uh, on TikTok, I am uh, Milk Milk Lemonade. Milk Milk Lemonade. (laughs) Around the corner. Yeah. (laughs) Don't scare the children. Uh, So, yeah. Like like and subscribe. (laughs) Yes. Like and subscribe. His new YouTube channel will be coming up soon. No. Well. Uh, Yeah. That's serious. You should do one. For sure. But, again... You don't want to edit? I'll create all the content, but someone else has to edit it. I don't want to do that. That's... (laughs) Wait, did this just become a paranormal podcast? Perhaps. Because we had something happen last week, didn't we? Yeah. Sounded like something bad was happening. (laughs) Is someone trying to tell me that I should start my own YouTube channel? Maybe. Okay. What well, I don't have no idea what. No, in case there. in case you didn't hear the crash, something just fell in <laughs> Did the that fall in from the area that we're the recording in. I don't know. Stairs or from the ceiling? Or what? I gotta go investigate. Well before you do that. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> this may be our last episode. <laughs> However, who knows? It may be my mother pissed that I bowed down to the patriarchy and <laughs> and decided to have men on our women only podcast. Oh no. No, my mother would be totally cool with it. Yeah. She would love it. She was Maud B. Arthur. She looked a lot like B. Arthur too. It was pretty cool. But anyway. So if you have any questions or you just want to bitch at us, I mean nobody nobody sends us emails yeah. and that's fine I, I know will. I will okay email us at gabandgirltime at gmail.com yeah and you can find us on social media at Facebook at Gab and Girl Time. like our page there look up for us on Instagram I'm Gabin Gale Time and and I'm Brady Von Beaverhausen I've gotten a few new followers and I'm wondering if it's because of this because I don't post a lot on Insta yeah perhaps maybe that would be cool and uh, come watch our TikToks I'm doing a series reasons why I'm crabby (laughs) that is pretty funny because I I found these little crab ears at the dollar store (laughs) (laughs) and I think it's cute do it I'm Bruce Tonsils on TikTok and uh, Gab and Gail Time is also on TikTok Stand on brand. I should change that name. Why? I don't know. But to milk, milk, lemon. To stand on brand. Round the corner. You can just be round the corner fudge is made. Yes. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Are you going to sing with us? No. Why? 
You're not going to sing. When I listed all of my talents, not once did I mention singing. It's not in there. It's not See, hard. Just like the patriarchy. To leave us with the heavy lifting. No, no. You don't want to edit. this for your you listeners. Know, you know, first of all. I had a guy tell me one time, why would you do what you can get someone else to do? I'll sing, but let me send you my rates real for, real, real quick. Your rates? My, my song rates. Talking's free. Singing costs. And if nice. you're still listening to us, we thank you. Yes. We appreciate you so much. We really much. do appreciate you with all our hearts. This is my outlet for everything because I don't post a lot on social media because it just irritates the shit out of me. This is just me fulfilling it's my therapy. destiny. I mean, you guys don't get to do it. You don't get to smell. be part of the audio of the TikTok because it has to be perfect lighting and a perfect spot. Yeah, and, and we have to be perfect. Yeah, that's because, who we are. You know, well, it's not who we are. It's just we don't want to turn into somebody else from all the eleven to seventeen-year-old bullies on TikTok. Oh, okay, there, that went. There are. There are. There are <laughs> Bullies of all ages on TikTok. Yeah. Are there lots of bullies on yeah. TikTok? Yeah. There's this guy. There's this guy. Do you have a bully on TikTok? I do. And uh, I have to admire his tenacity. Yeah. He keeps on. And uh, his, his, wants to his break page. You. On his page, it says, you only came here because you didn't like my comment. And I was oh, like, funny. I was like, damn. Okay. Nice. I called him princess. <laughs> he said he welcomed me. I don't know. Is he the one that I said I was friends with Tim Dillon? <laughs> He's my bestie, motherfucker. I want I want I want a really good Photoshop artist to do me and Tim Dillon together like we hang out all the time. <laughs> we could probably do that ourselves. <laughs> well, we've went off on a tangent. I'm into this. <laughs> we thank you so much for listening to Gavin, girl time, Gavin, girl time, Gavin, girl time.